We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. Appreciate you guys hanging in there with me. We had a little bit of technical difficulties before this episode started, and it has just been a wild day uh, here in Eugene with spring football resuming. But the show must go on, and we're here. So appreciate you guys tuning in. However you guys are tuned in, you know the rules. We got uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can find us on YouTube at well as well. We're here live right now on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. So if you guys are tuned in live, welcome in. And uh, definitely throw some some comments and questions our way as people get excited with spring football resuming. I'm joined by Ducks Digest reporter Nick Batty. Nick, how we doing, man? It's been a minute since we've had you on. Yeah, uh, been a great been a great time. Uh, just focusing a little bit more on the basketball and all that. But uh, now, you know, we got football back in Eugene. We'll focus on that a lot more today. Yes, sir. Well, we have plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, we didn't get to view practice for too, too long today, but we do want to get, you know, some of the notes and, and takeaways that we were able to gather from day three of spring practice with the Ducks. So we're going to kind of roll through a couple of different talking points and some different takeaways from Dan Lanning's post-practice press conference. So I think one of the most notable things that came out of today's practice is there, aside from the new faces that joined the team with, uh, with 2022 signees coming from the prep ranks, we had Jaleel Florence out there, Michael Wooten, to name a few. We also had some transfers in Chase Coda and Noah Whittington, but one of the newer faces that we weren't really expecting to see was safety J.J. Greenfield, who looks like he has rejoined the program, or I should say program, after spending the 2021 football season at College of San Mateo, where the Ducks also found Bennett Williams and George Moore in years past. So I think this is a good addition for the Ducks. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, no question about it. Definitely adds some depth to the secondary uh, in a place where Oregon hasn't necessarily had all of that great of depth uh, going into spring, at least. So that's definitely something that will end up being helpful. And uh, yeah, it, it's just a little bit of an odd situation, not something we necessarily expected to happen. But uh, J.J. Greenfield being back certainly 
a uh, quality prospect coming out of high school, and it's good to see him back with the Ducks. Let's stay on the safeties for a second because that's a, a group. I think the safeties as a whole, sorry, the secondary as a whole is really young right now, but I think you're feeling better about safety than you are cornerback if, if you're a fan of this Oregon team or if you're even you know on the on the interior uh, where, you know, in the inner workings of the program. Uh, Dan Lanning did say that, that Greenfield is not going to be on scholarship. So that's another update that we have. Uh, he didn't divulge too much more on, on that situation, but that's just something that's worth noting that we gathered from today. But the safeties, so Ducks lose Rome McKinley. Bennett Williams comes back. I mean, I, I would be freaked out, I feel like, if the Ducks didn't get Bennett Williams back from a season ago because there's just not a ton of proven experience there. You got Jamal Hill, who I think had a bit of an underwhelming year last year after really breaking out in that USC game. How do you feel about the safety room? Yeah, you know, you're, you're, the depth there was a little bit shaky coming in, but as you mentioned, Bennett Williams, obviously an incredible player, and, and he'll get no doubt one of the starting roles there. Uh, and then you also talk, you go, go down the list, you know, Jamal Hill, you still have him, although we could see him maybe at that star position that, you know, Jeffrey Boss has, has played at times as well. Uh, and then you look at maybe Steve Stevens, who played sparingly, uh, Damon David, who is currently not a full participant in these practices, uh, but he'll still be a part of the conversation as well. So those are a couple of guys who have played sparingly, maybe not been the most effective so far in, in their Oregon careers, but has still made enough plays to where you feel like they can at least be competitive on a, on a Pac-12 field. Yeah, there's snaps to be had for this Oregon secondary, especially at safety and cornerback. Cornerback's a super, super young room, but the Ducks getting some reinforcements there. So the safeties, we're, we're going to have to see how that position battle kind of shapes out here during the spring. Don't expect we'll have anything too definitive at any position once we get through this spring, but either way, it's it's good time to get these guys rolling, see how they adjust to the college level and, and what they have to bring to the table, how these guys look. From a, from a physical standpoint. But with, with J.J. Greenfield, I think one thing I wanted to touch on was the fact that when he was at Oregon, he had a pretty prominent role on special teams. I remember from that UCLA game in 2020, he forced that big fumble on, on kickoff. And I think that he that's where his value kind of starts. And then maybe he can work into a little bit more of a rotational role on defense as he was probably hoping to when he originally came to Oregon. So just transitioning from that, one of the takeaways that we got from Dan Lanning is is that there's going to be a bigger emphasis on special teams, which I think is is going to be music to a lot of fans' ears because that that was definitely an area where the Ducks fell short last year. Yeah, uh, definitely, and really not just last year. I mean, I remember in that shortened COVID 2020 season, Oregon just they were down a lot of players, so that really hurt the special teams as well. But special teams down downright atrocious in that Pac-12 title game and then in the Fiesta Bowl uh, in 2020. And it kind of bled into the season in 2021 a little bit. You know, you, you just remember a couple of times uh, in the Oregon State game and, you know, in, just sparingly in other games that there were too many penalties at times that really hurt the Ducks. Uh, a couple of times there might have been, you know, just some pre-snap issues, but just enough to where it, it – was really not where you need it to be. And for Oregon to bring in uh, 
Joe uh, Lorig from Penn State, and you know he was really a uh, highly respected guy over there. And for him to be the new guy with special teams, along with Dan Lanning, who he said today that he's going to be a big part of it as well. It's good to see that they're they got an added emphasis in that special teams department. Hopefully, we'll see some improved results uh, come this fall. Definitely looking for some improved results. Another thing that that stood out to me was Landing said that it's a priority early on in the practice routine, saying that that's the first thing they do after flex, which I'm thinking is some kind of a stretching period. Nick, you and I were only there for about 15 to 20 minutes today, so that might be a good little disclaimer to to put out there for, for the viewers and the listeners that we really didn't get to see a whole bunch, but what we're trying our best to do is, is you know, get as much out of that to, to share with you guys, the fans, to, to kind of get a better sense of what's going on here in Eugene. But uh, yeah, Landing was saying that the, the install is going well with Joe Lorig, and, and one of the quotes that he had was saying, the key is you put an emphasis on it. You're not going to be successful on it if you don't spend time on it. And I think another, an area that I could see this just carrying over rather quickly for Oregon is just how some of these games, it felt like they had control last year. And then the the other team kind of started to slowly inch their way back in. And, and I think that's where we see some of the value of, of special teams, you know, is, is an opponent getting that momentum if the Ducks are able to, you know, say get a touchback or, or pin somebody deep inside the 20, inside the 10 even. Winning some of those battles on special teams, I think back to some some plays like Verone McKinley when he was swatting that fumble forward a little bit. I know that I don't think that was on a special teams play, but we know how important special teams are and how they really have the ability to just change the whole momentum of a game. So for the Ducks, I think their kicking was great last year, both from Tom Snee and Camden Lewis, but they didn't get enough out of those return units and those coverage units. So with the the offense having some trouble last year for a majority of the season, just being kind of hot and cold, those good returns are really going to help set up some drives. And then if the Ducks can get better at coverage, it's only going to help their defense get set up in better situations. And, and that obviously just results in, in a better overall game plan for, for the defense. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the coverage Utah really exploited that on multiple exactly. and uh, two of the biggest games of the year. So for Oregon, that's something that needs to really improve. It feels like the gunners maybe weren't getting down there as quickly or, or you know, whatever it might have been. Things just weren't good enough. So it, it's good to see them really focus on that at the very beginning of practice after they stretch out. And we'll see uh, how that ends up working out for them. You mentioned the Gunners. I think that's another area that the Ducks could see some of that immediate improvement, maybe particularly from some of these young guys. Some of these DBs, Kamari Terrell, Jaleel Florence, who is is one of the new faces that we saw today, Jaleel Tucker. He's not here in the spring right now, but he's running his senior track season down at Lincoln and is already putting a bunch of people on notice out in San Diego County and really throughout the state of California. Uh, some of these defensive backs could very well be some of the fastest guys that Oregon's ever seen. So... There's a need, obviously, at corner, but maybe they have even more added value as gunners that, that can really help this, this these coverage units take a step forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dan Lanning really talked about it when he had that press conference uh, last month when it came to uh, announcing the new recruiting classes, just how fast some of these guys are especially some of the linebackers and, and DBs that they got. You, you mentioned Jaleel Florence. 
the speed on this, especially defense that, that they were able to get in this recruiting class was really elite. So, you know, maybe they can use some of that in special teams, whether it be every, on a returner or a gunner uh, on the other side of things to try to really be able to exploit uh, the speed that Oregon has gained in, in this past recruiting class. I'm hoping personally to see that speed carry over into the defensive coverage. I think Oregon was was definitely a little bit softer in that regard last year than a lot of fans probably wanted, whether it be lining up or just lining up pre-snap or just how they were actually playing post-snap when when things were you know rocking and rolling. But we are getting a couple comments and questions, so we want to take some time, Nick, to to tackle these and tap in a little bit with the fan base, see what's on their minds as the Ducks resume spring practice. Question from Joseph. Joseph says, hey, Max, heard about the new Mac linebacker position that Tagger and Jackson were getting reps at today. Any thoughts or insight on this position? Yeah, I, I for so for this, Joseph, I think that we really have to see a little bit more work from these guys, some more snaps and, and reps to see kind of what the position's going to look like. I think it was called the, the money and the Mac it is what Dan Lanning called it specifically. And maybe that's more a little bit like the, you mentioned the star position, Nick, I'm not sure if we're going to see a similarity or some overlap there, but just as far as some insight into this position, I, I kind of just want to talk about the the versatility that, that Lanning was talking about with a couple of these guys like, like Tagger and Jackson. It's really just going to kind of depend on, on how these guys adjust to the college level. He was saying, are they drinking out of a fire hose or does it look like they're kind of, getting more comfortable with it and, and taking things in stride and, and absorbing it. Well, that's what you really want from this. Cause I know that's something that Tim DeRuiter was talking about as a challenge for him when he was going through his install. And, and that's another thing we have to think about with this defense. It's another year, a new head coach and a new defense getting installed. So a lot is getting thrown at these guys, but I think Taggart, I really like his motor and his closing speed and Jackson just flies around there for a linebacker. All right, folks, we are back. So sorry about that. I don't know what's going on with my internet. I really can't. I don't even know why this keeps happening, but we're doing our best to, to keep rolling with the punches. So hang in there with us. Um, let me see if I can get Nick back in here. Oh, man. All right. So just sent Nick the link. So hopefully we're going to get back. But yeah, just talking about the, the linebackers. And what's looking, what it's looking like there. I think that Tagger and Jackson are two of the the more, two of the more talented freshmen that we've seen as far as linebackers go. Obviously, Flo and Sewell have been just amazing during their time at Oregon. A lot of people are hoping, myself included, that Flo can stay healthy to have a full season here. But we got Nick back in here. My internet, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to to try to work to work 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 with it but seriously thank you everyone for staying around but yeah we were just talking about the linebackers nick with tagger and jackson and kind of how they project they're entering a really really loaded room but who knows maybe one of them can can break into the two deep here that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah i mean as you mentioned it is a really loaded room and especially talking about inside linebackers i mean it, it's going to start with with noah soul and justin flow and if flow can stay healthy there's really uh, not going to be much room there in, in the inside spot. So if you're, if you're talking about Taggart and, and Jackson, it might be tough at the very beginning. But, hey, 
this is where you really want to develop those linebackers to where if there is an injury or just in the future, because at least for Noah Sewell, this is probably going to be his last year here, you're going to want to start developing those next tier guys to become your guys in following years. So it's great to see them here and great to see them uh, beginning to get reps today. Absolutely. Crazy to think that this is probably going to be Noah Sewell's last year considering his first season was just when I was getting out to, to Oregon in 2020. Um, got another comment from Andrew with all the cornerbacks that transfer portaled out of Eugene. I wonder if either of the Jaleels are going to see serious playing time this year. Yeah, we, we just spoke a little bit ago about Jaleel Florence and, and how his early arrival will probably help him in that competition, but that room's wide open. I think if you're looking at it from Jaleel Tucker's standpoint, I don't think that not being here early is, is going to play that much of a role seeing that that room is, is just so, so young. Yeah, uh, definitely a fair point. I definitely think Christian Gonzalez is going to uh, lock down one of those cornerback uh, spots to start off the year. But when you look at the other one, it really is going to be a full-on competition between you know Dante Manning, Avante Dickerson, and, and both the Jaleels, uh, perhaps even Tykers uh, Bridges as well. So it, it's really going to be a full-on competition to see who gets that final corner spot and, who uh, ends up being the twos with, with, with those spots as well, because as we all know, uh, quarterbacks will likely need a break or two throughout the game. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see that battle play out, and that's probably one of the more fascinating battles uh, we have so far this year. Duck's going to need some guys to step up at corner. This next question coming from Mikey G. Mikey asked, flow pr- practicing slash moving around 100%. Nick, I know you had your eye on some of the guys that were limited or, or working off to the side today. What, what can you tell us there? Yeah, so uh, Justin Flo was warming, was warming up with the team. I uh, don't believe he had pads on yet. Uh, he seems close uh, as he is there and, and re- still rehabbing, doing some of that stuff. But uh, So he's definitely not 100% working out with the linebackers right now, but he definitely seems very close to be able to uh, be a full go. Okay. So yeah, another part of the spring as uh, it's not just about getting the guys up to speed. It's about, you know, that, that rehab and getting those guys back to a hundred percent or ready to just, you know, hit the ground running with the team. So flows a guy that we're going to have our eyes on for sure. That goes right along with this next comment from exploring with Ben and Sam, a must see this year will be Sewell and flow together finally on the field. Nick, it just feels like that's something that this fan base deserves, right? Those two playing healthy side by side and in the first year of a Dan Lanning defense, it seems like this is really what the program's kind of building building up to with the elite recruits that they've been landing, obviously on both sides of the ball, but I feel like they've really, really put their best foot forward when it comes to defensive recruiting and the linebacker position has been elevated quite a bit on the recruiting trail just in the past couple of years. Definitely. And you go back to that Fresno State game, the first game of, of this past year where Sewell and Flo were on the field together and it was pretty nasty how good they were together. You know, uh, Justin Flo had double digit tackles. I uh, believe one of them had a forced fumble in that game it, it, or a fumble recovery, at least in that game. Uh, was really cool to see how, how good they were together. And that was against a really good Fresno State offense, as we learned throughout the year. So, it, it, the possibilities are, are endless of how good this Oregon defense can be with Dan Lanning, Tosh Lupoy, and 
Sewell and Flo uh, in the middle uh, there manning the linebacker spot. So it's really exciting to see, and, and you know, hopefully we get to see that week one against Georgia because they'll certainly need, need them to be together for that. And the depth doesn't stop just there with Flo and Sewell. Two other guys that you definitely want to keep an eye on are Keith Brown and Jackson LaDuke. Keith Brown just kind of got thrown to the fire, Nick, when, when you and I were out there in Columbus. We saw him getting a ton of snaps in that Ohio State game. That obviously due to Justin Flo's absence in that game following his injury in that Fresno State game. Jackson LaDuke, another guy who has been steadily improving and, and working as he's been in Eugene after joining Oregon as part of the 2020 recruiting class. So if Sewell and Flo are really playing to their full potential, those guys are staying healthy, then I think that this opens the door for for LaDuke and Keith Brown to have maybe a little bit more of a traditional development and get a little bit more eased into this this new defense rather than last year when they were really getting relied upon because that group was really just battle, battered by injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I, you look at Keith Brown, he, he definitely had a very up and down first season. Uh, he had a really good game against Ohio State, I think, for being his first ever real collegiate game. And since then, I, I feel like a lot of times uh, teams kind of exploited him, uh, especially in, in passing game. And, you know, he'll learn from that and, and hopefully he'll uh, continue to grow and be a, be a good contributor by his second or third year. And as we said, like even someone like Jackson LeDuc uh, could, could be someone, someone of interest uh, in future years. No doubt. So linebacker group is another one that, that uh, we're going to have to, I'm really excited about. I don't, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I'm really excited about the linebackers, especially the guys on the edge for Oregon, just seeing how this new staff utilizes that versatility and athleticism. And the Ducks do have a ton of experience returning in the linebacker group as well. So just to, to update people on kind of the, the availability and, and injury report, what have you, Nick, I, I know that was something that I asked you to tackle for this show. What, what can you tell us about some of the other players that, uh, that, were, that were rehabbing today and, and maybe are limited participants at this point in spring football? Yeah, so uh, of the guys that were uh, either off the side warming up, rehabbing, uh, doing some of the other things uh, other than the actual practice. Uh, Justin Flo is over there. Michael Wooten, Bram Weldon, the offensive lineman. Uh, Brandon Dorless is, is still rehabbing from whatever uh, injury he might have. Popo Amavai still over there. Uh, Damon David was uh, not practicing today. He, he was just doing some rehab stuff over there. Keon Ware Hudson is, is still rehabbing a little bit. Uh, so that was my list of, of players who were not full participants in practice today. Uh, Alex Forsyth was back at practice today with the offensive linemen doing their thing, at least in the portion that we were able to see. So it, it looked like he was back in, in a full go from what we saw uh, in practice today. So that was definitely good to see. Got to have Forsyth there, man, in the, the offensive line and, and being that offensive line general, especially with the, the quarterback battle that's going on right now. Uh, it was it was cool to see on the topic of quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Nick, but just seeing Kenny Dillingham going through the the drills with the quarterbacks and how he was he was looks like he was working on kind of moving in the pocket a little bit with these guys and kind of looking off their options and then getting the the ball out quickly. But the the quarterbacks are are a fun bunch, and I just I hope that the 
that everyone gets a shot as we as we enter spring ball. Well, we resume spring ball, but I missed the first couple of practices, and and now we're really picking up full steam ahead with with the spring schedule. Yeah, definitely. And I just have to say, watching Ty Thompson uh, just be out there, he, he looked significantly uh, bigger, stronger than what he was in, in, in fall camp uh, this past August. And to see him, you know, be out there like that, throwing the balls, it, it was pretty impressive. You know, obviously we're not seeing any of the actual practice where these quarterbacks are uh, throwing into coverage or, or throwing to anyone who's not a wide open receiver. So we, we don't get much information on, you know, if, if they're splitting reps at all, who, who's with the ones, et cetera, et cetera, like that. But uh, just from a physical standpoint, Ty Thompson really stood out to me uh, out there today. Ty Thompson's definitely the, the most physically imposing quarterback that the Ducks have on their roster. Other quarterbacks that are there, we got Bo Nix, Jay Butterfield, and walk-on A.J. Abbott, just to get everybody up to speed. Another note from today's practice, Nick, was that from the portion that we saw, it looked like the quarterbacks were mainly throwing to the tight ends during the, the media viewing session. So I, I'm seeing Cam McCormick get mentioned here in, in the comments a little bit. So maybe we could could tackle that position group a little bit and, and give some of our thoughts there. Trevor saying, would love, love, love to see McCormick have a healthy year. He defines don't quit. Saw his story on why rehab was so bad. Wish him the very best. What you want to tackle this one, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's such a great story, Cam McCormick. And, you know, it was great to see him catch that pass against Ohio State. And then immediately it was devastating to see he ended up getting hurt on that play. Uh, it would be awesome to see him ha- have a healthy year and, and see him be able to contrib- contribute to them in this very deep and talented tight end room. I mean, uh, I meant, forgot to mention Patrick Herbert is still uh, rehabbing himself. He, he's not out there participating fully yet, but uh, Malika, Maliki Matavau and Terrence Ferguson were, were out there doing some great things. And, uh, you know, so for each of them to have another spring practice uh, or spring ball of, you know, really being able to develop both physically and mentally with this new staff, I feel like it will only help them more. And uh, I, I'm really excited about those uh, young tight ends in this tight end room moving forward, especially uh, with a potentially better quarterback. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening at the quarterback position that could maybe utilize them a little better. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
this is a really fascinating situation for the for Oregon for the Oregon offense with these tight ends because you have two two returning starters from last year who both contributed a lot as true freshmen and Maliki Montevao and Terrence Ferguson. Kind of seems like Ferguson is a little bit more of the pass catching option right now, where Maliki Montevao is is adding more of his value in the the run game, but. For Oregon, if they can have everyone stay healthy, you have two guys that were solid contributors, and then behind them you have Cam McCormick, who has looked great every time he touches the ball at Oregon, but he's just had this terrible injury luck, so he's certainly looking for that next step and taking advantage of, of the, the extra COVID year of eligibility. Feels like he's been in Eugene for forever at this point, but another state of Oregon representative, so I know that a lot of fans are, are maybe rooting a little bit extra, a little extra for him seeing that he's a local guy out of Oregon. And then Patrick Herbert, you can't get much more local than Eugene. Obviously, Justin Herbert is just killing it in the NFL, and the Chargers have added some some great pieces in free agency. But if I'm Patrick Herbert, I want to write a little bit of my own story and show why I was a, a pretty highly rated recruit coming out of high school in, in my own right and leave his mark on the program. So not only do you see the potential of this tight end room, you also have to be encouraged by the quarterback play, hopefully taking a step forward, as you mentioned, Nick, and then just seeing some more creativity from Kenny Dillingham in, in this offense. We saw spots of creativity last year but with Joe Moorhead's offense, but we all know that he really wasn't able to do what he wanted to do, and the tight ends just really weren't that involved. So kind of a couple different directions we can go there. But, yeah, I just wanted to, to hammer home the point that I'm super excited for this tight end group. Yeah, you nailed it. All right, let's see here. Um, yeah, on the topic of quarterback plays, another thing that that stood out as a takeaway from Dan Lanning's press conference following today's practice was that the offense had some explosive plays, but some turnovers that Dan Lanning doesn't want to see. And, you know, we don't need to make too much of this this early in spring ball, but it's worth mentioning that turnovers were a pretty serious problem last year. Not so much in the run game, but there were a lot of costly interceptions that Anthony Brown threw last year, and that really changed the momentum in, in a couple different games. You talk about the Cal game, the, the UCLA game when you had those two interceptions. The Stanford game really felt like it was neck and neck, but that that interception, the interception and then the, uh, the turnover that he had near the goal line were two really costly mistakes that that came back to bite Oregon. So, uh, how how much do you think that the Ducks can improve their their turnover margin this year? Because the defense really showed up at the beginning of the season on their end, but kind of fizzled out with all the injuries that they had. Oh, this offense could absolutely improve their uh, turnover situation, and you know it, it's just really tough to to know or say too much. Just you know we weren't able to be there for uh, the part of practice where, you know, they're actually in, in full on, uh, you know, 11 on 11 mode where you'll, you, you might see some of those turnovers. And he, he did mention, you know, one of one or two of them might've happened the two minute drill where you're really trying to go fast and mistakes might be more likely to happen. So that's definitely something you'll want to improve on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he, he said that there are some really explosive plays, but also some turnovers you don't want to see. It, isn't that a lot of what people have said about Bo Nix throughout his career, right? Like he, he has the ability to make very explosive, great plays. Uh, but there are other times where he'll just make some decisions that make you shake your head. So 
who knows if that was even Bo Nix, and maybe it was Ty Thompson, maybe it was Jay Butterfield, but I just found it interesting that it, from just what we've seen in the past, it sounds like a lot of uh, what Bo Nix has done in the past as well. There's no question, Nick, that Bo Nix is a very athletic, athletically gifted quarterback, but that area that I think a lot of fans are probably looking for a little bit more growth is the decision-making because Oregon fans were, were left scratching their heads more times than they want to last year with some costly turnovers, like we mentioned. So that's going to be an area of growth for, for Bo from his time at Auburn. And then I'm sure for all of the other quarterbacks in the room with, with their development at Oregon, as, as they look to, to secure a, a bigger role in this Oregon offense heading into next year. But another thing that, that we wanted to talk about from, from today that landing was talking about, kind of just what he's looking for out of these Oregon practices as they make their way through the spring. Ducks only have 15 practices to work with. And he was saying that he's always checking for efficiency and trying to find ways to get better at, at each practice and how the coaches and players can get better. And then effort, because you just need guys, you can't really coach effort. You just have to try to be a motivator of these men and, and get them to lay it all out on the line. And the, the thing about the efficiency kind of stuck with me in particular because this is a bit of a challenge that that the coaches here and across the country have to work with how much of a step can you really take when you only have 15 practices not 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 saying that I'm doubting that they can continue to evolve but it's something to to I think be cognizant of and aware of as they structure these practices and and they're coming off of a two-week break yeah and you have to remember this is the very beginning of year one of the Dan Lanning era and all the assistants that c- came with them to Eugene. And it, it's, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? You know, it, it's going to take a while to fully install everything. And that's probably going to bleed into fall camp. And it might even bleed into the season. It, it's just the reality of the situation. And I'm sure they're, they're all doing their best. And, and they're even outside of practice going through film and going through all these uh, sorts of different ways of uh, trying to just ingrain it in everyone's mind of, of what they're trying to do. But at the end of the day, it, it's going to take a while. That's just the reality of the situation. And hopefully, uh, especially for the starters who are going to be there, you know, jumping right in the deep end of the pool week one against Georgia, uh, they'll be ready for that. But year one's always going to be difficult. And you, you go back kind of to, that game against Stanford in year one with uh, Mario Cristobal, where things just didn't go quite their way. And uh, in their first big game with Cristobal, and it didn't quite work out. And you, you hope that they can maybe learn from that. I, I know not many people are there or still here from that team, but a few are and maybe learn from that and get better. That's a, that's an advantage. I think I didn't really think about just, where we're seeing some of that extra COVID eligibility coming in. These guys who who have been here throughout multiple coaches at this point, multiple coaching staffs, I think that'll come into play so they can bring that experience in and say, hey, we've been here before. This is nothing new, but it's it's something that we have to overcome as a team, just getting a new coaching staff into place and getting all these new schemes involved. But here's a reason that I want to talk about for why you should be confident that Oregon's going to be able to, to get this installed and, and get the culture installed and get up to speed because you talked about how Nick, how it could, it could bleed into the season. We, none of us really know. We just have to wait and see how this plays out as far as Oregon getting up to the, the level that it wants to. 
Sure, Dan Lane's a first-year head coach, but look at the guys that he's surrounded himself with. These guys have all had stops at really, really uh, big-time programs, big-time places, whether you're looking at the NFL or some of these other places like Alabama, obviously the Georgia and the SEC connection. Demetrius Martin's been through all of the Pac-12. So I think that the the staff itself is, is going to help Oregon get there and, and get there in a hurry. And I'm really excited about these early enrollees that they added because I think some people were a little underwhelmed that Anthony Jones was the only one who enrolled early in the earlier window following that December signing period. So I can understand why some might be a little hesitant to, to see, you know, is, is Oregon going to get where they really need to be with so many factors working against them. But for maybe for the reasons that you could be hesitant, there are just as many that you could be excited about and confident in because of the, the talent that is on the roster that's still here with the new coach coming in and because of the staff that they, that he's surrounded himself with. Yeah. And for those who are, are worried about those players coming in, uh, not for those first two practices, you got to remember just the situation everyone was in back uh, with Oregon being on the, the term system. Many people were, were still deciding, you know, whether they were in, in going to sign with Oregon uh, just because they wanted to see, of course, uh, Lanning and, and his staff coming in. And uh, with Oregon being on the term system, winter term started first week of January. And for many people, that was not quite enough time to know they wanted to come to Oregon. So uh, it, it really just it, it really just stood out to the point of when everyone signed in February at that point, it's too late to be in at Oregon enrolled for winter term. So they have to end up going spring term, which has just started this week. So that's really what made the difference there. I, I don't think it was really uh, any part of uh, lack of commitment or anything from any of these players. It, it was more of just the circumstances of what uh, needed to happen and, and the just the sequence of events that needed to happen didn't quite work out for those first two practices. Yeah, the calendar is something that they kind of had to work around as well. And that's, I think it wasn't something that was that surprising that they didn't have a lot of early enrollees just because they were a program in transition. But I saw Anthony Jones today in person for the first time, padded up, and that dude is massive. And it felt weird to see someone wearing number five that that wasn't KT, but he's one of a couple of these freshmen that don't look like freshmen. Yeah, absolutely right. And I, I know he's not... Well, he's technically, uh, I guess, um, still a freshman as an academic sense. But uh, Dante Manaday really stood out to me as someone who has really worked on himself um, and his body these last few months. He looked like a totally different guy out there uh, physically compared to where he was last fall. So uh, that was a guy who, who just really stood out to me um, out when I was looking out there for those 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, Dante Manning's going to need to take a step forward. I think that he's someone who's more than capable of doing that in that cornerback role. We already talked about Ty Thompson, but there was also a picture that I posted uh, of DJ Johnson next to Chris Hudson that I want to see if I can bring up here because I thought that was a pretty pretty wild picture because when DJ Johnson, we first saw DJ Johnson in fall camp, he really didn't look like he, he was listed at like 270 last year. And we saw him in person at one of the, the scrimmages in fall camp. And I didn't think he looked anything like that, but DJ Johnson definitely looked like he's, he's, uh, he's bulked up here in the off season and he's just kind of towering over 
Chris Hudson. So I'm still getting kind of uh, comfortable behind the camera. So some of these photos may not be the best from today. So hopefully Scott can can help raise the bar once once he gets back at the next practice. But DJ Johnson looks huge, man. If we're just talking about people that were physically imposing from from this practice. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, yeah, I mean it, it's very tough for you to um, try to fill the shoes of Scott. I mean, no one can no one can beat Scott behind the camera. <laughs> Yeah, Scott's the man. So hopefully he'll be back out there on Thursday. Um, kind of winding down a little bit. Nick, let me see. There was another there was another question that I wanted to to bring up here that I'd be curious to get your insight on since you're getting in a little bit more into recruiting. And I just like having these conversations with people. Vincent says, I wonder if five-star quarterbacks trust Dilly to develop them since he has no tracker, track record yet being so young. I think this is, it's going to be, I can understand why someone would, it would maybe be a little bit harder to trust him because he isn't really an established coach, but I think Jordan Travis, from what I've seen at Forest State was, he had some of his moments. And I think that maybe Dillingham's going to be able to sell these guys on just, you know, maybe you can be that first big time quarterback that I developed, come to Oregon and be the first one to to get developed under under my system because they've had some successful quarterbacks at Oregon, obviously with Mariota and and Herbert. Shout out to Mariota and getting his first, not first, but getting a shot to hopefully lead the show in Atlanta. But what what do you think about this one, Nick? Yeah, it's a very fair question, and especially with Oregon becoming maybe a little bit more of a defensive minded team with Dan Lanning being the head coach and. Uh, you just look around even the conference, uh, let alone the rest of the country with Lincoln Riley at USC and uh, a lot of the teams down south and uh, in the south with Texas, uh, Steve Sarkeesian and, and Alabama, Georgia, uh, Ohio State. I mean, the list goes on and on of, of elite quarterback developers. It's going to be very tough for Oregon to compete with uh, Kenny Dillingham, who by all means uh, has you know, had a pretty good track record uh, in general as being an offense coordinator himself, but it's nothing compared to, you know, the Lincoln Rileys and, and the Ryan Days of the world, et cetera, et cetera, like that. So uh, if you're a five-star quarterback, uh, you'd be certainly uh, really buying into what Kelly, Kenny Dillingham is recruiting you for and the fact that he'd be able to develop you. And I think that's what makes this year so, um, so important with being able to either further develop Bo Nix into a true NFL quarterback, caliper quarterback, or develop Ty Thompson into Oregon's next great quarterback. And if Kelly, Kenny Dillingham can do either of those things, I think that would answer a lot of questions of whether he would be able to successfully develop quarterbacks. Yeah, I, that's why it makes sense. What better time to do it than now it, mm-hmm. is, is because Ty has been here at, at so many people thought they were getting a fresh start. And for all, for all we know, this should be a fresh start when you got a new coach and you got a new offensive coordinator coming in. But I think some people were taken aback when Bo Nix got, uh, Bo Nix got bought in. So got brought in. So that's why a lot of people are hoping for a wide open competition. So maybe they do get Ty Thompson. He goes out and balls out and becomes an NFL caliber quarterback. And then I don't know if it just takes one, but does it take multiple quarterbacks? I think if if you have someone that you can point to as I worked with this guy, he came to Oregon, I developed the heck out of him. 
look at Ty Thompson getting selected high, highly in the draft. I think that it will certainly help their case. And just to, to talk about some other quarterbacks that are on Oregon's radar, Jaden Rashada is, is heading out to Miami this week. So that's a notable recruiting update since Oregon looks like they're pretty neck and neck with Miami and Ole Miss is another team lurking. So for, for quarterbacks coming to Oregon, it doesn't necessarily always have to be a five-star, right? Nick, I think a lot of people, when we're talking about recruiting, they're so quick to, to just prioritize the five-star, which is something you want, of course, but there's plenty of talented guys that are four stars that, that go on to have great college careers. But given that Oregon has proved that they are capable of recruiting against any team in the country, they're capable of getting anybody in the country, regardless of where they're located. It, it makes sense why the fans and the staff should want to be swinging for these five-star caliber arms. Yeah, no, no question about it. And, you know, you, you just look back at, you know, Marcus Mariota was a three-slash-four-star. Justin Herbert was a three-star. And uh, Oregon was able to develop them. And so stars don't mean everything, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, I believe only half of, of five-star quarterbacks the last few years have uh, really developed into anything. But stars overall very much do matter. And you're, you're going to want to go after those most talented players. Uh, so it's very important for Oregon to at least be in the mix with those guys, even though you're, you're going up against, you know, the Lincoln Riley's of the world. Got to be in the mix. Oregon's been in the mix for a lot of these top guys when they release those lists of schools that they're considering Oregon's pretty much always there. Oftentimes they're the only school out West, but I think that's probably going to change here in the near future with Lincoln Riley at USC. Like you were talking about, Nick, Kenny Dillingham has some, some elite company that he's certainly chasing in the area of QB development. Trevor's comment here is interesting to me. Dilly has really sweet RPO options, significantly more creative than the last few years. Just can't see how this offense doesn't step up, which is a great point because there is so much talent already on this roster. Great offensive line, great running backs, great wide receivers. It feels like all of those right pieces are in place for this offense to take a step forward. I know that Oregon's going to be looking for whoever plays quarterback this year to, to hopefully make a little bit better decisions in, in the RPO game and definitely make sure that the quarterback's an asset on the ground as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be interesting just simply because Mario Cristobal is not here anymore. And, and that, so the offensive philosophy is definitely going to change a lot. And with similar overall players in, in the system, even though really when you think about it, there's going to be a new quarterback. There's going to be a whole new running back room. Uh, many of the wide receivers are very young and didn't get a ton of time under what Mark Griswold is doing here. And so overall, it's, it's a pretty young uh, offense aside from the offensive line. So it's going to be very interesting to see how quickly they can adjust to what Kenny Dillingham wants to do and, uh, and how successful that ends up being. Andrew says, that's the other thing. Oregon needs to add in vertical passing elements for elite quarterbacks to consider them. You're not going pro unless you stretch the field. I really like that point because it's something that's been brought up in, in shows before. And a question that I'm starting to ask quarterback recruits is, how much is the on-field product influencing your decision when you're looking at not only a school like Oregon, but these other schools that are legitimately having high-powered, fast offenses that can push the ball down the field. Pretty much all these teams that are winning national championships are pushing the ball down the field. 
say what you want about Stetson Bennett, maybe not being a top tier quarterback in college football, but that guy can push the ball down the field. He can make the throws that you need to, and they don't need someone who can be an absolute game breaker with the skill talent that's accumulated on this roster over the past couple of years. So I, I totally agree with this point. You can pitch about, we're going to have this on our offense, or we're really going to, we're really going to open things up next year. That's another reason that this upcoming season for Oregon is so critical because I think that's really what feels like is hampering them and maybe preventing them from being in that conversation of an elite offense in the country. Cause I've, we're pretty confident that that Oregon's going to have a solid ground game with all the running backs that they have and that great offensive line. There's no reason that they shouldn't. But the question is, are we going to see an offense that's creative that isn't just check downs and, and dump offs and intermediate routes over the middle, whoever gets that quarterback starting quarterback job has got to let that thing fly. No question about it. And it, it, it does need to be said though, that you only really want to let that thing fly. If you truly believe your quarterback can do that. And, you know, I, I am fairly confident that Bo Nix or, and or Ty Thompson and or Jay Butterfield could do that, but you're not, we don't know that for sure. So if, if the quarterback available is truly not able to do that, then you shouldn't be doing that. And that's maybe part of why we saw that type of offense with Anthony Brown at times um but there's no question if you have an elite quarterback you're going to need to have him throw the ball down the field and i i feel like that was you know a lot of what oregon fans were not happy about with mario Cristobal when they had justin herbert here which you know now we know he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the entire country yeah you, you don't want to be i'm not saying that we should have a guy slinging the ball all over the place if if he doesn't have the arm for it but i'm fairly convinced a decent arm and we know that Ty's arm is just an at like a pitching machine every time I watch that guy it just looks like there's I'm waiting for some smoke to come off the ball and Jay Butterfield has a great deep ball as well love his throwing motion I'm really wanting that's the guy I probably want to see play the most in the spring game because we'll hopefully get a much better sample size of these quarterbacks that are on the roster so the the quarterback conversation is always going to be one that's interesting and I'm just hoping that we'll have more and more snaps and reps to point to, to, to evaluate as, as we go through spring and, and get into fall camp. All right, folks, uh, I am back on the stream. I don't even know what's going on with my internet. If it's a computer issue, what the heck is going on? I'm going to do my very best to figure it out, but hopefully we can get this situated and we'll be back for another stream here in the future, but I'm going to go ahead and end it now. I think this is a sign Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Kindly ask that you subscribe to the YouTube channel and share the show with your friends, family, other duck friends, other duck fans, and friends. Uh, and follow me on Twitter at mtorus Sports. Thank you to so much. Thank you so much to everybody that stuck around for this rather chaotic episode. Uh, but we're gonna bounce back on the next one. Thank you guys so much. Take care and have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.